Northern Rivers Food and Southern Cross University present Business Bites. This podcast series discusses, evaluates and explores all the factors that contribute to making a resilient business. I'm Angela Caterns, host of Business Bites, and in each episode I'll bring you wisdom and insights from forward-thinking academics and leading industry experts about what really helps a business stay relevant and thrive. I'll talk with business and thought leaders, asking them what lessons they've learned from personal experience. I'll chat to food businesses of every size and every nature, restaurants, manufacturers, growers and producers, agri-tourism operators, marketers, legal and financial experts, and everyone in between. Today's episode builds on an earlier topic where we learnt about the importance of regular business health checks. In this episode, we're sinking our teeth into one important aspect of that, business finances. We'll be taking a deep dive into the financial health of your business, what to look for, what to worry about, and some of the ways you can monitor your financial position. Our first guest today is Jennifer Harrison, Senior Lecturer in the Faculty of Business, Law and Arts at Southern Cross University. Jennifer has over 20 years of higher education experience teaching, researching and publishing around topics including entrepreneurship, strategy, management and marketing. Prior to entering academia, she held accounting positions in the advertising industry, so she brings a wealth of knowledge and practical experience to today's topic. Hello and welcome, Jennifer. Hi, Angela. How are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you so much. So uh, I know that one of your areas of expertise and interest and work is financial literacy. So for a business owner, what does that actually mean? So the financial financial literacy is really just about being able to uh, understand uh, the financial statements, to be able to read them, to be able to understand the numbers going on in the business. Uh, if we're looking at it from a business perspective, yes. Mm. So, uh, yeah, like I, I teach uh, accounting and finance mostly to master's students doing an MBA or some kind of similar um, management course. And a lot of them kind of come in... Um, they're really great probably at their, their kind of area of expertise, the more operational side. And they, they come into an accounting unit and um, with a bit of trepidation, you know, or even anxiety. Um, I find that um, they you know, they may be scared of numbers or their ability to understand them. And then others come in that are, um, you know, think it's really boring, but I think it just boils down to the fact that they don't really understand the story that the numbers have to tell. Um, they can't read the matrix yet. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the financial numbers are really just one way of viewing the business. And they, they do tell a story about what is happening at that strategic and operational level, just uh, translated into monetary measurement. Mm. Um, so it's really important, I think, for business managers to have some financial literacy and um, be able to switch between strategic operational financial views to get the most out of the business. I think for some people, though, that doesn't come naturally, that kind of knowledge, that kind of ability to read the numbers and know what they're telling uh, telling you. Where do you get those skills? Uh, well, you could get those skills from um, practising. 
<laughs> talking to your um, accountant, talking to your financial advisors, maybe doing a little bit of training, grabbing. There's some really great books out there on just kind of basic um, uh, basic accounting, basic financial statement analysis. That's financial basic financial management they're the kinds of ones you want to look for you could just kind of start with something like that mm. I mean there are people who go into business with wonderful creative ideas for the business but little to no knowledge of the financial side of things um, should that discount you from from starting up a business like that a creative kind of business I don't think so you can always get external help for, uh, for, for various things in your business, including the, the accounting and financial management. You know, you can call in, call in some help there. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't let that put you off, but I think uh, to be able to work slowly towards building your skill in that area and your ability to read the story and the numbers is, is really important mm -hmm. um, regardless, mm -hmm. just over time. Mm -hmm. Is it important to, uh, to not be afraid of the numbers or to, to try and not let your eyes glaze over when you're hearing them or seeing them? Yeah, yeah, yeah certainly. <laughs> um, you know, I'm a bit of a nerd, so I kind of like them. Um, I can. I, I, some people like reading a book in their spare time. I like sitting in front of a bunch of numbers, which is, <laughs> I know it's a little odd, but anyway. Um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, using the financial statements to help you run a business, is, it's, just, it's a lot more than just recording the numbers or having someone record the numbers for you. Um, you need to... Um, you know, a lot of a lot of small business owners now they'll have software that tracks things, records things, um, but then they're not using that information to its full capacity. And I think that's maybe an angle to take if you feel a bit nervous or scared or, or bored, is to look at it as yet another piece, important set of data for managing your business. And I mean, I learned this years ago that small business owners tend to avoid these things um, as an undergraduate student and before accounting software had become widely available so I might be giving away my age here um, the, I was doing a couple of casual jobs you know for um, some small businesses and and the owners thought they were doing the right thing by getting me in there to go, kind of go through their uh, shoebox full of receipts and write up a nice tidy cash book um, but you know in the end what happened was that they they weren't um, doing anything with that lovely nice book I wrote up they weren't asking me to do anything with it and all they would do with it is give it to their accountant for tax at tax time mm -hmm. and so you know ultimately the purpose of that whole process seemed to have been about meeting the ATO requirements which is essentially useless in business management. So I think, you know, those guys were lucky that they had a solid business that would be pretty hard to make fail. And they had no major external shocks at that time that would have um, thrown them in the deep end. Mm -hmm. And so, Jennifer, do you think that there are some common fears or attitudes um, about financial management that, that causes some business owners to, you know, stick their heads in the sand? Um, yeah, I, I think so. Um, generally speaking, they're, um, well, it, it probably just boils down that they get too busy. And what do we do when we're busy? We focus on what we know best and we focus on the day-to-day 
So, you know, if you're operationally inclined, you're going to spend a lot of time in that area. Yeah. That's probably what it comes down to. Yeah. And so uh, assuming we can get business leaders to be brave enough to embrace the world of numbers, what is it they can expect to discover or uncover as a result? What can they read there? Well, what's, yeah, what's the story? I, think, I think at the moment one of the really important things to obviously plan for is um, inflation. Um, right now, uh, that's probably what you need to be stress testing your business for. And there are some rather simple ways that you can you can work towards doing that. Um, and that means keeping a close eye, and I mean, you can ask your accountants to help you with this, on things like profitability, efficiency, and liquidity. So they're the three kind of key dimensions, I think, that would be most impacted by inflation. And we know that, you know, we've had this... Um, previously had this lovely long period of um, fairly low inflation and now the cycle's turning and it's likely to continue doing so. So I think um, monitoring these areas is now vital, I would say. Mm. You mentioned there were a few tools available to the business owner to uh, to deal with um, uh, possible rising inflation. inflation. What are they, um, Jennifer? Yeah, so I think what we need... It, what you probably need to do is come up with a couple of key performance indicators for each of these areas, the profitability, the efficiency and the liquidity, and then monitor those regularly. And I'd say probably monthly at a maximum at this stage of the cycle. Like there's no point doing this once or twice a year or at tax time um, because then it'll be too late to do anything about it. So the idea here is to, to kind of monitor these these various KPIs, and then if you see trends that are um, looking problematic, then you can, you know, start to think about what you're going to do about it. So, um, I mean, I could go through a couple of different key examples um, of mm -hmm. performance measures for you for each area, if you like. Yeah, love you too. So, yeah, so I think like profitability probably. I mean, most businesses monitor their sales, which is great, but sales is the starting point for profitability. We need to cover the cost too. So I think picking one kind of profit margin, like the gross profit margin or the operating profit margin, just to, to continue focusing on is a great idea. Um, and, you know, keeping an eye on that, if that margin starts falling, then you're going to need to get into it a bit and see what's going on and um, and see if you can do anything to, to recover that. Um, I'd suggest personally gross profit margin and looking at your operating overheads as a percentage of sales. And that way you can see if any of those overheads are really starting to impact your business as well. Mm -hmm. And now what about um, efficiency? You know, yes. how do you improve that? How do you measure that? Okay, so with efficiency, you want to be having a look at your sales compared to your asset levels. And there's lots of possible measures available and it will depend on your industry um, and the size of your business. Um, but I think at the moment with inflation, keeping a close eye on working capital assets like debtors and inventories would be really important at the moment. So, for example, if you sell your goods on credit to your customers, then being very disciplined in checking and chasing your on-time payments would be vital. Um, 
you won't be the only business struggling with cost increases and cash flow problems at the moment. So you might find that some of your customers are starting to slow down their payments and that just passes the problem on to you. So being really proactive in picking up those problems early is quite important. Um, and, and maybe monitoring if you've got a lot of stock, um, monitoring your stock levels too and your turnover uh, speed on those. Um, making sure you're not holding too many inventories because that costs money just holding them and, um, you know, trying to speed up the turnover, which will help cash flow as well. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer, what about um, liquidity? What, what's the definition of liquidity and, and how, do you, how do you measure that? Ah, yes. Okay. So liquidity is basically, it basically boils down to cash and the ability to pay your bills. So I kind of try and think of it as, you know, um, monitoring your cash flow. I think, you know, for a small business, that's really the most important thing you could do in this area. So, um, you know, inflation can cause havoc with liquidity. Input, input prices are going up. You're still charging the same price for your, um, to your customers. And then in addition to reducing profitability, that also means that your cash flows um, draining faster. So it's really important to focus on that. And I think probably the easiest thing to do, uh, the simplest option is to maintain like a rolling monthly cash budget. Uh oh, scary. Got to, <laughs> got to think about forecasting. But, you know, you may not want to do a full blown budgeting process, right? I get that. But if there's just one budget you should do, I think it's the, um, the cash budget, in my view. And you can set it up for like six to 12 months in advance, um, showing your expected receipts from your customers, the, the money coming into the business that you expect, any other income, um, and then itemize your cash payments or expected cash payments. So by that, I mean, break your expected cash payments down into some really useful categories, like that will help you and that are useful for your given business context. So as an example there, because I know that sounds a bit complicated, but as an example, if you've got a couple of major suppliers, then you'd have a line item in your cash budget for each of them so that you could separately see what's going on, like forecast the payments to them, and then also see what's, what's actually happening there in terms of trends if you then compare your actual cash flow mm -hmm. uh, to that budget, which is a great thing to do particularly at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, but the main idea of that is it's about thinking about what's coming up, right? Just being aware of what's going to come up. So um, itemising what you expect to come in, what you expect to go out. And from that, you can develop very easily um, an expected bank balance, <laughs> which obviously is very important. And if you've got that for like six months out in advance, this is the beauty of it. You can look at that and if you've got expected negative cash balances, you can start thinking now about what you're going to do about that. And, you know, that's that's the key to this, kind of trying to be ahead of the cash flow problems, getting into that vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes great sense. Um, and so, Jennifer, I mean, I'm sure there are people listening to this who – um, 
who feel anxious about doing this kind of thing, can't you just employ, you know, a, a financial officer to do all this job for you? Or do you uh, really recommend that a business owner involves themselves deeply with, with these kind of numbers? Um, of course you can employ someone to do it for you, but if you just then, like, as I said before, when I was writing up the cash um, book for the for those small business owners and then they weren't even looking at it or using it then then it's not much use so I think if you if you feel that you need to you get support in getting someone to help you develop this and try and learn from them and learn to read it and learn to understand the patterns you're seeing yourself so that you can then um you know, if you're in a smaller business and you haven't got the luxury of, you know, having yourself a, a finance manager, uh, I think it's worth it's worth learning it. But you know, even um, even if you have got that luxury, uh, it would be, as I said before, it's really useful to be able to swap between perspectives of the business. You can take a much less detailed view of it, of course, if you've got a bigger business. Um, but to still be able to understand what's going in all, on in all your areas is, 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 you know, how to get the best out of the business. Fantastic. So, uh, you know, learn to love your numbers. Embrace them. <laughs> ah, yes. Financials are your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Jennifer, thank you so much. It's been a delight to chat. Yeah, you too, Angela. Thank you. Our next guest is Mark Arwood, who, with his business partner and wife Camille, owns and runs Winding Road Distilling Company. Based in beautiful Tinton Bar, Winding Road handcrafts unique spirits that celebrate the natural beauty and abundance of our Northern Rivers region. Mark and Camille produce rum, gin, coffee liqueur and, as of this week, single malt whiskey, all with a distinct flair and sense of adventure. And it won't take long for listeners to tell that Mark has had a winding road of his own, having followed heart and head from America to Australia and from the tech world to aviation and now artisan spirits. Hello and welcome, Mark. Hello, Angela. Thank you. Thank you. So how, how do you go from, you know, flying planes to now running a distillery? Well, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, sort of gallows humor I use, I tell everyone that uh, pilots are the biggest drinkers out there. But um, uh, no, in, in all honesty, I, I think that, that I, I'm very entrepreneurial and I've always followed my passions. And I think that uh, we, you know, and again, consistent with our, our brand Winding Road, I, I have very much followed a winding road through life, uh, primarily of my own choosing. And I've ended up where I've wanted to be. I'm, I'm not chasing anything other than trying to live my own life to the fullest and, and enjoy it and uh, do what I want to do when I can do it. And I have always had a passion for aviation. I always will. Uh, but it's, it's not exactly going to pay the bills in the long run. And, <laughs> and I have loved fine spirits, uh, particularly rums and whiskeys. And the opportunity to uh, start Winding Road Distilling uh, hit uh, as, a, as a bit of a bolt out of the blue several years ago, back in 2015, I think. And we, um, my wife Camille and I have, have pursued it whilst holding down other, other jobs and uh, other roles and, and raising two wonderful kids. And it's, uh, it's really a passion. It's something I love. I wake up every day excited to, uh, to get into it. 
Fantastic. But so where do you, where do you get the skills to suddenly become a maker of, of, uh, of these amazing uh, uh, liquors? Well, that, that's a really good question, and, and it's something that, that is uh, sorely lacking is, is really good uh, access to training for, for distilling. Uh, for me, I had a, um, I, I have an absolutely insatiable love of reading, and so I've read absolutely everything I could get my hands on around distilling, and I did some work experience with a couple of other distillers, and I took a course and I am still filling in the blanks. There's a lot to know and learn, and I, I think that I will depart this world still not knowing uh, the majority of what there is to know about distilling. Mm. Winding Road is only a young business, but I understand you've already won awards and developed a loyal customer base? We have. We've won uh, several awards and have had some very good critical acclaim, both uh, domestically and internationally. Wow. And it's, uh, it's something that I think for, for us, we're not looking to just craft spirits and, and get them out there to market. We're looking to really put out the best expressions that we can uh, with, with regards to our rum, our whiskey, our gin, and, and liqueurs. And we're just really thrilled that it's showing through uh, with, with awards and critical acclaim. That, it's must beautiful. Be, that must be very gratifying. It is. Yeah, it is. I bet. I'm interested to know where you get the you know, uh, main ingredients for some of these um, liquors mm -hmm. because, well, for instance, gin has to have juniper berries, doesn't it? Do we grow those here on the Northern Rivers? Uh, yes, gin does need to have juniper. That's really the one and only rule uh, around gin, um, around the bigger gin sort of uh, um, uh, expression. Mm -hmm. Juniper is only grown in very, very small quantities here in Australia, nothing commercial. And so almost all of it needs to be imported. And there are a couple other items in gin that need to be imported, unfortunately, but uh, everything else we work to, uh, to source uh, locally if we can, and if not, at least domestically. Mm -hmm. And what about whiskey? Um, what's, what's the main ingredient of, of whiskey, and where do you source that? Well, whiskey is essentially a, uh, a spirit uh, 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 created out of uh, grains. So uh, whiskey can be created out of malted barley or rye or corn or wheat or uh, any other grain, really. Um, now, the most common are typically uh, corn-based or uh, malted barley-based. Mm -hmm. we're, we're currently doing a single malt whiskey, so that's malted barley. It's all New South Wales grown and malted. Uh, we do have uh, plans to create a, a rye whiskey as well, and again, that will be a New South Wales rye. And our, uh, our goal in the next year or two is to also create a very local rice whiskey. Uh, rice whiskey is quite rare, but it's something we want to do because rice is the only grain that's grown in the northern rivers. Fantastic. How mm -hmm. great. What about the coffee liqueur? Well, our coffee liqueur, to our knowledge, is the only coffee liqueur anywhere that is completely local. It's uh, We've called it 50-mile coffee liqueur. We've measured the distance from our distillery to the furthest input for it, and it was 79 kilometers, and we thought, that's not going to fit on a label. Let's call it 50-mile. <laughs> <laughs> and so... It uh, uses our uh, unaged agricole-style rum, which is all uh, as the base. That is all used, um, are created using uh, Northern Rivers grown uh, cane. cane. Mm -hmm. We use uh, locally grown and roasted coffee uh, in a partnership with uh, Beck and John Zentfeld, uh, Zentfeld's estate in Newry Bar. 
and we use uh, some locally grown vanilla bean and local sugar in it, and that's it. Fantastic. Mm. So that's a, a, a sort of differentiation in your, in, with Winding Road uh, uh, spirits, the fact that most of the ingredients are locally grown and sourced. Well, it is, it, it, and it's something we, we are committed to. Uh, we will never be able to um, really truly mass produce a lot of that, but that's okay. That's not what we're going for. We really enjoy operating uh, within our, our local market here and uh, featuring some of the amazing local products and uh, and, and uh, produce it that uh, that we can in, in our spirits, mm-hmm. uh, we we think that uh, as much as we can keep within Australia, uh, we really want to and 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 feature those in our in our spirits. Beautiful, thank you. And so um, t- you must have a very strong grasp, Mark, of the importance of a business strategy, or is it all just kind of luck and putting one foot in front of the next? Or do you have a bit of a long-term business strategy? Well, I, I, I'm very much a believer in strategy, and I've been very fortunate to uh, to have that hammered into me. Uh, I, I completed an MBA uh, and a grad dip in business management several years ago, and uh Strategic planning was something that I took to like a duck to water, and I absolutely loved it and appreciated it for what it is, which is really uh, a critical element in in running a business. Mm -hmm. So you have a long-term strategy for this business? Absolutely, yeah. And it's uh, it's one that we try and go back and and revisit regularly. We we use it. uh, I try and think of a a strategic plan as a roadmap, uh, where we're at, where we're going, and how we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. And... It's something that we uh, revisit and uh, review, uh, measure our success or our, our progress, I should say, against, and uh, modify as we need to. Mm-hmm. Well, that that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. As, and so in, in this uh, podcast, Mark, we're trying to get down to the nitty-gritty of how a business owner can understand the finan- financial health of mm-hmm. their business. Um, so how do you go about that? How do you go about checking in on the financial health of your business? Well, uh Beyond uh, ensuring that we have a strategic plan that helps us really, uh, among other things, set financial goals and uh, and and measurable goals that we can work against, um, we try and ensure that we have a uh, strong and ongoing relationship with our accountant. And <laughs> <laughs> did it take you a long time to find? Uh, the accountant with which you could have a strong and fabulous relationship. <laughs> no, it didn't. In fact, we, we've uh, we've worked with uh, one here in town, uh, Lismore-based accountant, actually for several years now, and, and uh, we're quite happy with them. Uh, I, I think um, most businesses uh, hopefully have someone that they work with that that uh, provides them with good ongoing advice, and and we we see that as crucial just to ensure that um, because as a small business. Um, we we are across our day to day operations, but we uh, certainly don't have uh, visibility um, beyond what the accountant can provide us uh, with regards to our financial, uh, our overall financial health, our, our tax uh, liabilities, and um, and uh, good tax advice around that, and that's that's crucial. Um, so I think that that uh, you know we we try and ensure that we have a good uh, uh, amount of contact with our accountant, mm-hmm. uh, reasonably regular conversations, and that we uh, review our own financial health through our uh, uh, through reviewing 
where we are at on a reasonably regular basis. Mm-hmm. So you're not scared of looking at the numbers and, and, and uh, you know, reading what they're telling you? The numbers can sometimes be scary, but no, we 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 look through look through them uh, through thick and thin, and uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. And so, what's the relationship that that you can uh, see between your your business strategy and finance? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that that everything is is intertwined in that. So so, with a good strategy, uh, you're you're essentially being proactive about where you're going, not reactive. Um, the analogy I like to use is that without a strategy in place, you're like that um, single-use plastic bla- bag blowing through a car park, uh, just going where the wind and, uh, and, and currents take you. Uh, with a good plan in place, you're being proactive, you know where you're going, and uh, you ideally know how you're going to get there. And that involves uh, knowing what your, uh, what your financial expenditure will uh, be like, particularly with regards to major expenses like capital expenditure uh, to, to know what's coming up and uh, what you're going to have to be preparing for. Mm. Um, I imagine to set up your distillery, there would have been a fair amount of capital expenditure. Is that right? Uh, there was and there is. It, it's ongoing. Um, w- our setup was uh, was over the, the first uh, couple, three years, I suppose, of operations. So up until about 2018, 2019, and we are in a phase now where we are actually looking to grow and open up a tasting room and have a larger distillery. And that's uh, leading to a, a, an entirely new round of, of expenditure. And um, it's, it's something we really have to keep an eye on and, and know what is coming up. And knowing that we have the uh, financing, whether it's cash on hand uh, or um, or financing available to, mm-hmm. to uh, meet those obligations. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so, Mark, um, back to the to finances, and, and you said that you have an accountant who you work closely with and who you trust, but you also look at the numbers yourself. What are some of the key measures that you do look at regularly? Well, we're, we're looking at uh, mainly our, uh, our profit and loss, our, uh, our income, our expenditure, our receivables, and our payables, and uh, those those give us a good snapshot as to where we're at and how we're performing against uh, where we were hoping to be at any point in time. Mm-hmm. And what about uh, you know practically monitoring and and reviewing? Do you rely on a particular type of software or reports? Well, we do, and and we're really fortunate as as. Uh, small and medium businesses these days are, are really fortunate compared to where we were even just a few years ago with the advent of a lot of uh, very powerful accounting software tools that can uh, call up reports and at, at the click of uh, you know a couple of uh, clicks away. It's it's really easy and it, it very it's very helpful. Mm-hmm. And um, um, so, do you employ people or is it just the two of you? At the moment, it's the two of us, and we do have one casual employee. But uh, we're we're at the point where we're going to have to uh, to be hiring a couple of staff, uh, primarily in the uh, sales and and marketing sort of promotional mm-hmm. uh, space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you mentioned about the we're talking we're back to the numbers now. What? How often do you review the numbers? How often do you check in on the on the on the health of the business? Well, for us, we're reviewing them on a monthly basis. And, and that may be adequate for, for others. It may not. Some, some may want to look at them more frequently. Uh, some businesses may be a little 
little less. It's it's challenging. I mean, as, as small business owners, we're all time poor, and we can work eight days a week if we if we had that opportunity. I think, and so we have to make the time to do it. We have to sit down and consciously put some time aside to look at those numbers, review them, and uh, yeah, for us on a monthly basis seems to be about right. Mm -hmm. And is is that kind of a, a, you know, set in your diary each month or do you just kind of agree on when you've got, you know, a couple of hours to spare to, to get, do this job? Oh, it's fairly set for us. We, uh, we tend to look at, uh, at the numbers uh, around the 20th of each month and it uh, gives us a good idea of how we're tracking during that month, uh, what we can look towards for the next month. And, um, Mm-hmm. and where we're at. Mm-hmm. And so do you use those numbers to plan the growth of the business? Uh, we do, although I think that the growth is more uh, something that we look at the at the larger sort of, um, uh, to use a flying analogy, the 30,000-foot <laughs> view. You know, we look you've at, no, you've <laughs> done that. I'm hearing a bit of, you know, flight talk in there. You've been uh-huh. talking about currents and the wind, direction of the wind. <laughs> Yeah, so it's um, it, it it's something that we we tend to look at more when we're reviewing the strategy and um, and discuss. I, I think uh, you know looking at the numbers is more just tracking on how we're going with regards to where we uh, where we want to be. Mm-hmm. And so finally, Mark, looking back over your previous uh, roles and and your various experience with starting Winding Road, are there any words of advice? about understanding the financial health of your business that you would care to share with those just embarking on this journey? Uh, absolutely. I would say that uh, a couple of things is it's absolutely crucial to have a good strategy in place. And a lot of businesses, uh, you know, they look at it as, as a business plan. Uh, I, I much prefer the term strategic plan. And it's something that you don't want to write once and put on a shelf and forget about it. It's something that you need to constantly review, revisit, and and make sure that it's current and, and fit for purpose, essentially, for what you're doing, and that you're you're actually using it as the tool that it should be. And if you don't have the skills to uh, write one yourself, the money spent on hiring someone that can do it is is, is worth every cent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I suppose I would say is, you know, some lessons I've learned the hard way along uh, the road is uh, to... to quote the old U.S. President Ronald Reagan, is trust but verify. So, so with regards to accounts receivable, you know, you can build great relationships with your customers and as well you should and operate with them and make sure that you know what their financial health is as well because if you're extending payment terms to them, they can be a great customer for a long time but then something happens with them if they're mismanaged or they run into headwinds. And they can leave you uh, high and dry with a fair amount of money owing, and we've we've learned that lesson the hard way uh, years and years ago, and uh, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. So just we've we've had a number of businesses that have unfortunately fallen victim to the uh, the recent flooding here, and there's nothing you can do about that, and we just have to be compassionate, and we have, but certainly with regards to businesses that run into financial problems for different reasons, as uh, as a company that might be extending payment terms to them. It's it's good to stay across that, know who you're working with, and know when to uh, to rein in the terms that you're advancing them on. Mm-hmm. So, Fantastic. That makes a lot of sense. Hey, and Mark, so how far ahead are you strategizing? 
we have uh, a strategy that we operate to that's out five years. Wow. And a lot of people, ourselves included, you know, you don't, you, you've, a five-year plan is really your best guess as to where you're going to be. And, and that's part of the reason why you, you want to revisit it regularly and see if that's still where you're actually going and what you want to do. And if not, then you change it. You readdress it. But uh, we do try and, uh, try and project out for five years. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark, so great to talk to you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Angela. On Business Bites. Thank you. Today, we've talked about profitability, efficiency, and liquidity. We've even talked about gin. Our two fabulous guests, Jennifer Harrison from Southern Cross University and Mark Awod from Winding Road Distillery, helped us take a deep dive into the financial health of a business, what to look for, what to worry about, and some of the ways you can monitor your own financial position. The Business Bites podcast series is a collaboration between Southern Cross University and Northern Rivers Food. Southern Cross now offers the new Bachelor of Business and Enterprise at its Lismore campus, and for the March 2023 intake, the university is offering a scholarship worth $5,000 to every student who enrolls. This new degree can help the brightest commercial minds to stay in our region. Perhaps that's you, someone in your business, or someone you know. Find out more at scu.edu.au. Northern Rivers Food is the region's not-for-profit, member-based food organisation. Established by people from the paddock to the plate, Northern Rivers Food supports and connects people in the industry, developing skills and opportunities, and celebrates the unique food of our region at every turn. To get involved, visit northernriversfood.org. Business Bites is proudly funded by the New South Wales Government, and I hope you'll join us for the next episode. I'm Angela Caterns. Thanks for listening. Thank you.